at the very tactical level, at the combat team level, it's often about getting close with the enemy and, and ensuring its destruction. Hi, this is Lieutenant Adam Orton with the Canadian Army Podcast, and today we're going to talk with Lieutenant Colonel Christian Caron, who is the outgoing commander of the tactics school in Gagetown, and we're going to be talking about the Combat Team Commander's course. Good day, sir. Good day, Adam. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing great. Thank you. And uh, thank you for having me here on uh, this podcast today. Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to our conversation. So before we get into details of the course, can you kind of tell us a little bit about what a combat team commander does or what a combat team commander is? Well, I think we need to focus on the combat team first. The combat team is a grouping of various arms put together to deliver a synchronized or a simultaneous effect on the enemy. It implies uh, having several arms, such as the infantry, the armor corps, the artillery, the engineers, and perhaps aviation, uh, to achieve an effect on the enemy. This effect is achieved by applying the combat power of these cohesive team, focused on one goal, which achieves a greater effect than if we were to operate, use these various arms separately or in sequence. In short, a combat arms team makes good use of assigned combat power to solve a specific tactical problem set. Uh, an example known by all, I suspect, is the hasty attack, where we see uh, the use of maneuver on the ground, on the battlefield, to bring direct fire, tactical and direct fire, onto a defined enemy position to physically destroy that enemy. I find it interesting also that you use the word effect because I think a lot of people outside of the military don't always realize that there's other effects that one can impose on an opponent other than destroying them. There's a lot of different things you can do with your combat power other than just destroy the enemy. Yes, you're correct. You could uh, suppress the enemy as an example. Uh, you could fix them while you're trying to maneuver around them to achieve another objective. But for the tactical at the very tactical level, at the combat team level, it's often about getting close with the enemy and, and ensuring its destruction, very often. Yeah, the infantry loves hearing that too. <laughs> yeah, they do. Same with the Armour Corps. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how does one become a combat team commander? Well, that is a complex question uh, because a combat team commander does not exist on its own, right? It starts with a subunit commander. So... The combat team commander, first of all, needs to be an infantry, an armor, an engineer, or an artillery officer that has been selected to attend the combat team commander's course. To be selected to attend the combat team commander's course, they must have been selected to command a subunit, a battery, a squadron, or a company in the near future. That said, while the officers of the artillery corps, the engineer corps, can attend the combat team course, because it provides them with an excellent learning experience. It allows them to know how to best support a combat team, which is an ad hoc grouping when needed. These officers, artillery and engineer officers, will never command a combat team. Why? Uh, simply, the definition of a combat team states that it is a temporary task-tailored ad hoc combat arms grouping of a maneuver subunit with integral or attached rifle platoons or tank troops. It de facto implies that you have to be an armor or an infantry officer to be able to command a combat team. So, as I stated though, 
the first step is they need to be uh, selected to command a subunit. So it's a senior captain on the cusp of promotion or uh, a young major who has been selected to command in the near future a subunit such as a battery, a company, or a squadron. But to be a combat team commander, as I said, you must be infantry, you must be armor, and you must have the chance to uh, deploy or train within a battle group. So an armored unit or an infantry battalion, and you must have the, the chance to be allocated, assigned the resources of a combat team to be a combat team commander. Simple, simple answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. That makes me think of, you know, when I was a private in Afghanistan, it was exactly that. Our company commander commanded the resources of the armored and the armored assets attached to us, as well as the use the artillery and things like that. So it seemed I'm fairly confident that company commander was the combat team commander because he was orchestrating the whole event. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be infantry all the time. Not correct. As I alluded to, by definition, uh, it, it will either be an infantry or an armored combat team, and it must be based on an infantry company or an armored squadron with attached resources from the other arms to be a combat team. And so the other combat arms that also participate in this training, I'm guessing it, for them, it's to understand how all of these elements integrate and operate together anyways, because as people in those positions, they have to have a good understanding of how that works. Correct. Uh, again, a, a battery commander or engineer squadron commander will unlikely work at the combat team level. They're, they're ass, battle groups, brigade assets, and will be asked to support the combat team uh, when needed with uh, indirect tactical indirect fire or uh, mobility accountability tasks, but on their own will not command the combat team. So how has this course evolved? Like if we look at, uh, you know, peer engagements, which were kind of a Cold War, uh, even up to the modern day, that's something that's always been a pretty serious concern. Then you look at like asymmetrical warfare, like the nature of the combat team must have changed over the past couple of decades. How has the course evolved? First of all, the nature of the combat team has not necessarily evolved significantly in the last uh, few decades since oh. World War II. Okay. Um, I would say that while warfighting is a complex endeavor, its essence is simple, right? And it can be distilled into the general following rules. We need to win during the offense. We need to initiate combat on our own terms. We need to gain and maintain initiative. We need to quickly build momentum and win decisively, right? That has not changed. As such, I believe that the knowledge, the skills that we impart on the combat team commander's course here at the tactics school transcends the evolution that you just mentioned. Oh, okay. I explain myself. While we continue to adapt to uh, new capabilities and threats, uh, new vehicles or weapons with added level of protection on both the friendly and the enemy side, uh, new tanks, new anti-armor weapons with new lethality, both on the friendly and, and the enemy side, while we integrate new methods of command and control systems, while we adjust to the mission at hand, such as stability ops, coin operations, what we teach on the combat team commander's course is the basics. It's the foundational training. Again, war is a human endeavor and, and it's based on human factors. What we teach on this course here is the knowledge, the skill, and some experience uh, that will provide the foundations for these young subunit commander, potentially combat team commanders, to prevail and win on today's battlefield and tomorrow's battlefield. Well, we all like winning. We do. It's part of every uh, mission statement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
as we're talking about this, it's a very officer intensive course for our listeners that are NCM slash NCOs. Why, why should they care about what we're talking about right now? Well, they should care tremendously uh, and they should be tremendously interested in the combat team current course because they are an integral part of the combat team. Uh, they make those platoons, those troops, those subunit and the combat team that is needed to deliver the combat power and win over the enemy, right? They need to understand the language of doctrine, the tactics, the techniques, and the procedures being employed by their commander. They need to understand how the combat arm, combined arms, sorry, is grouped, put together, and what it does and how a combat team can be employed. Uh, I would argue also that they need to understand their role in supporting the combat team to achieve mission success. And finally, for those of them who, who might be interested to transfer to become an officer upon selection, uh, they need to understand the, the training, the knowledge, the skills, and the expectation of a future subunit commander and potentially combat team commander. Yeah, of course. And having made the jump myself also, like it's it's definitely a different mindset than when you're you're just operating in an NCO world. Um, you have to focus on different things and it's it, sometimes it's not easy to make that mental transition. I would agree with you in your statement. While we speak the same language, we apply the same tactics, techniques and procedure. When you become a subunit commander and potentially a combat team commander, your areas of responsibilities and accountabilities and the factors that you must consider are, are many folds greater than the, the section commander or the platoon commander. So we're talking about NCMs and NCOs, and you mentioned before the, the significant amount of, of combat power that lies underneath a combat team commander. So during the training, what kind of resources do you have to simulate that environment of having all these different combat arms and people available to you to execute tasks? Good question. Uh, the tactics school is very well resourced to deliver one part of the, the equation. The tactics school has the, the human capital, so the instructors who are experienced and knowledgeable in combat team doctrine and tactics and, and techniques and procedure. The tactics school has the support staff to allow uh, the delivery of this course. They also have the computer-based training required to prepare these officers for the next step, which is the field training uh, portion of the course. So, as I said, in its simplest form, the first part, tactics school is very well resourced. The second part, which is a field exercise, uh, the tactics school depends on the field force. It depends on on the divisions, brigades, and, and battalions and regiments out there to form that battle group with the combat support and combat and service support enablers to be able to deliver that training. On any serial of the combat team current course, those that I've delivered anyway, in 2018 and 2019, we had upwards of 1,000 people uh, deployed in support of that course. We had 80 combat vehicles, 19 Leopards, and about 61 LAV-3, LAV-6 armored fighting vehicles. And we had about 100 uh, support vehicles uh, of all denominations. So we're putting a battle group of 1,000 plus people in the field to support the training of 36 students. It's a lot of effort, a lot of resources being put to deliver excellent training and achieve tremendous outputs, which are those young subunit commanders who are professional and ready to take command. 
that's a uh, that's a lot of moving parts. <laughs> so we've got all these labs and tanks and personnel out in the field. And like if we look at you know all the other training courses, whether it's PLQ or even Maple Resolve, there's usually some sort of culminating battle where there's you know tanks and things blowing up everywhere, and you know infantry soldiers running around shooting things, airplanes, you name it. Is there a final exercise along those lines? You're talking about the field portion of the exercise. Is there a final exercise like that that kind of has that dramatic punch to it as you're going through it? Unlike what we used to call phase four training, the officer training of the olden days, late 90s, early 2000s, where we had exercise common ground, which was this final exercise you're talking about. The combat team commander's course does not have a final exercise. It has a field portion to the course uh, known in, in, in the past as Exercise Common Ground 2 for session 2018-2019 and will be known as Exercise Tactica Gauntlet for session 2020 and on. While we don't have this culminating final exercise, final final drive exercise, like some of us may, may remember, the FTX exposes the candidates to live combat simulation to the best we can offer them uh, out there without having a real enemy shooting at them. This exercise throughout the two weeks of its conduct uh, provides the uh, candidates with the friction of working with a real battle group commander. Uh, it provides them the opportunity to work with a unit, a subunit, and a combat team that they don't know because in general, they don't belong to that supporting unit. It exposes them to weather. And let me be frank here, 2018 was not unlike Barbarossa 1941 in terms of weather, rain, snow, sleet, mud, which had a tremendous impact on the vehicle fleet, but also on the students and their ability to deliver the combat power in question. They have to contend with lack of sleep and intense operations. What this exercise does for them as well is it puts them in the hot seat for about 48 hours, 24 hours of planning parallel to the conduct of operation, 24 hours while they're in command, those 24 hours in command, while they had planned for a specific task, let's say an enabling ops where they were to do an advance to contact, during those 24 hours on the ground with that combat team, they have to react quickly to changes to situation, groupings, tasks, and missions assigned by that battle group commander who's defining, creating these combat team problems set for the candidates to resolve and effect. All in all, while there's no final exercise, Exercise Common Ground 2, soon to be Exercise Tactica Gauntlet, uh, provides them with the most fidel training opportunity that they can get out there. And the comments from the students that is that they're very, very well prepared at the end of that course. So we're talking about this soon to be called Tactica Gauntlet exercise. Have you seen any kind of outside the box thinking in terms of solving problems more creatively than one might expect? To use a pop culture reference, you know, the old Captain Kirk and the Kobayashi Maru where he just reprograms the simulator. I feel like probably our exercise is a little bit more robust that you can't cheat the system specifically. But fundamentally, the idea is thinking outside the box and coming up with creative solutions. I appreciate your pop culture reference. It is a great <laughs> question. We would all like to think that we're the next Alexander the Great, right? The next yeah. Rommel, perhaps <laughs> the next Patton even. Yeah. But that's not what the course is about. Honestly, and frankly, I cannot think of any example. And that's not the fault of the students. It is not the fault of the tactics school. We have the simulation required to create those scenarios. The Kobayashi Maru example. 
The unfortunate part is we have the students for a very short period of time and time is precious and we have a lot to teach them. So because of that, we, we cannot allow ourselves the extravagancy of, uh, of having this ultimate scenario where all students potentially will <laughs> fail. That said, I'd like to let you know, though, that uh, while we don't have this ultimate scenario, every student is being challenged constantly on their application of doctrine, tactics, techniques, and procedure, and, and their thought process and their command skills. Well, it's interesting that you say that because it is true that uh, outside the box thinking is important under certain circumstances, but you gotta you gotta walk before you can run sometimes also. So coming up with these crazy Alexander the Great-esque schemes is, you know, I'm sure it's ideal, but you gotta start somewhere before you get to there. I agree. I mean, it, it is our mandate. It is our role at the tactics school to impart this basic knowledge of doctrine, of tactics, techniques, and procedures. And once you have this basic knowledge, you can then divert. You can then decide to not use these specific doctrinal technique, tactics, and procedure. But when you do so, you do so based on the situation, the understanding of what you're doing and why you're doing it and the possible consequences. So, sir, also... COVID-19 comes into play here for the Combat Team Commander's course. What changes have been made to the course in order to accommodate this? And will there be a course run this year? The, the course will occur this year. Same time, same place, engaged town, same number of candidates. But like the Army is deploying troops overseas without exercise maple resolve, we're going to conduct the Combat Team Commander's course without the FTX. To replace the FTX, we came up with different strategies where we increase the time spent in CACs, so a computer-assisted exercise, where we actually can we can do more. Field simulation is great, but the CACs allows us to do things that we can't do in the field. So yes, while they, they're not deprived of sleep, they don't have to deal with weather, they can be exposed to proper CAS, so close air support. They can be exposed to close air attack. They can be exposed to proper artillery uh, fires, tactical and strategic. They can be exposed to mines and, and an actual enemy that uh, can fight back, right? And feel the effect of that enemy. So when you're talking about the Kyobayashimaru scenario, Combat Team Commander Scores 2020 can offer an experience closer to that than the actual field FTX. But I don't want to be quoted here to say that it is a better a thing. The lack of an FTX is not desirable and is out of the norm, and it's only for the COVID uh, measures of 2020. Uh, we really want to go back to uh, having an FTX once, once COVID is uh, no longer as a determining factor as it is today. Caxes and toots can only carry you so far, but you're not living the life until you're That's it. tired That's and it. miserable, right? <laughs> so you yourself have done this course. What, what was your experience on it? And you know, what did you apply from that in the role that you're just finishing up in right now? I did the course back in 2009. It was an excellent course back then. And what I've learned from it is the doctrine. I've learned that the techniques, the tactics and procedures at the risk of repeating myself. I've learned <laughs> how to best employ the combat power available to me uh, as a combat team commander, uh, how to synchronize their effect to defeat the enemy at the least cost possible to my combat team, right? What I've learned is how to adapt and overcome to changing situations. And I've learned how to hone my command and communication skills throughout that course. So informed by that, informed by experience, 
as a as an OC and as a combat team commander, we've continually evolved this course to where it is right now, uh, where we offer the best experience possible, the most realistic training possible to prepare those young subunit commander and potential combat team commander to overcome the challenges of the now and the future. Well, I think that sums things up quite nicely. Is there anything you else you'd like to add before we wrap this up? Yeah, if you allow me, uh, Adam, I would like to talk about the fact that it is the combat team commander's course and the, the associated uh, field training exercise is a, a tremendous experience. It provides those young sub subunit commander with a great opportunity to prepare uh, for the task that is about to be theirs. They, they get to do that in a controlled context where they're allowed to fail. They're allowed to learn from their failure before they take command of their actual subunit, company, squadron, or battery. I'd like to talk about the fact also that it brings significant benefit to the field force. The unit, regiment, battalion selected to support this course gets significant functional experiential training uh, benefits out of supporting the combat team clearance course and its FTX. And they all benefit from the battle group commander, the light colonel, down to the, the rifleman number one out of the, the LAV-6. The other thing I'd like to talk about is the fact that Canada is, is leading in preparing its subunit commanders. While the Five Eyes countries, UK, uh, US, New Zealand, and Australia have a subunit command course of some sort, some shorter, some longer, none dedicate as much effort and resources to train their subunit commander, they, to train them to fight, live, and win as subunit commanders. In my mind, this contributes greatly to our level of proficiency and to, uh, to quote Colonel Oberworth, it makes us one of the best armies in the world. That's it. Simply. One of the best armies in the world. Well, I can't think of a better way to wrap that up. That was Lieutenant Colonel Christian Caron, the outgoing commander for the Tactics School. And we were talking about the Combat Team Commanders course. Thanks so much for joining us, sir. Thank you very much, Adam. This was a, a great chat and uh, it was fun, uh, a fun opportunity to do. Thank you. Once again, thank you, sir. And as usual, don't forget to follow us, subscribe to the podcast, and check out the Canadian Army on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Stay frosty. Stay frosty.